get it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. Today on the show, I uh, invited actress Virginia Bowers to chat about her experiences in Los Angeles. Uh, Virginia was in my film, The Last Resort, which came out in 2006, which uh, was filmed in Canberra and uh, came out in Australia. You can find that on YouTube. She had a role in the film as Gwen. Uh, Since then, we haven't spoken too much, but uh, she's been internationally traveling. Uh, She's now living in L.A., And uh, I invited her on the show because after La La Land came out, I was thinking to myself, gosh, um, it's kind of a double-edged sword because with La La Land, it's obviously very inspiring. You know, people watch the film. You know, we did it on the podcast. You can find our review of it. People, People check out the film and they think, I could do that. I could be an actress and it would be an amazing achievement, and they go out and try and live their dream. Uh, It's inspiring to the people who are already trying to do it to keep going. You know, this one's for the dreamers. But it's also inspiring for those people who want to suddenly pursue it. And then there are thousands upon thousands of people trying to get roles, you know. Like, what's it like in L.A.? What's it like going to auditions? In La La Land, there's that scene where Emma Stone uh, is wearing a white shirt that she spills coffee on, someone spills coffee on. And she goes to an audition and everybody's a redhead in a white shirt. You know, is that what it's like? Are people typecast? And do you see the same actresses at the same auditions over and over again? Are there roles out there for women? You know, what's it like today in L.A.? I thought, you know, look, Virginia, she's living out there. She's doing this. She's basically the film La La Land. She's kind of like the actress pursuing her dream, uh, living in L.A. And it's a first-hand experience that I thought would be great to share on the podcast. So I invited her on, and here's the interview with Virginia. To the beat, y'all. Hit it. Virginia Bowers, welcome to Pod Me If You Can. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. So great to be here. I uh, haven't spoken to you in quite some time. It's been a while since we've worked together. It has been a but while. But that's because you're <laughs> off jet setting in LA and uh, making a name for yourself. Yes, yes. Tell us, did you always want to act? Was there a moment in your past where something clicked? I think so. I mean, I, there, I spent most of my childhood reading books and reading stories and, and I was always obsessed with storytelling and I wasn't allowed to watch a huge amount of TV. We were only allowed to watch like SBS and ABC. So so I basically grew up on like, you know, British British shows and and books. So I was always obsessed with stories. It wasn't until I was sort of a young teenager that I started watching movies and it and everything clicked. It was like, oh that's that's what I want to do, you know. That's the natural progression, yeah, for sure. So did you have any kind of inspirations when you were first allowed to watch films? Were there standout actors or actresses? Probably, 
probably look a lot of the, the really classic um, British stuff. I mean, even then, I think it's a carryover from my childhood, but I still got really inspired by some of the classic British actors like John Gilgood and Judy Dench and uh, Maggie Smith and, and these, you know, incredible people. When I sort of moved on as I got a little bit older to the American films, there were some fantastic ones um, around, you know, I think one of the key films actually, which sounds weird for like a fairly young teenager that kind of made me think this is what I want to do was Boogie Nights, Paul Thomas Anderson. And that really, I remember watching that going, oh my God, you, what, you can do this for a living? You know? <laughs> so watching that and, and also, um, and also at school, you know, we started doing some Shakespeare and all that kind of thing. And, and I think from that point on, I, it was pretty much set in my head that that was what I wanted to do. Did you ever do stage stuff at school, like on stage performing drama? A little bit. I mean, we actually moved around a lot when I was a kid. We were in Canberra and then we were in Brisbane. And then I was at boarding school in Brisbane because my parents were in Darwin. And then we were in Adelaide. So I went to, you know, three different um, schools in high school and none of them were particularly theatrically oriented. But I mean, I do remember getting into trouble one day because I rocked up to school in my mum's like sort of vintage 60s hippie dress to play Titania in front of the class, you know, from A Midsummer Night's Dream. And and so it was always there, but it wasn't until, you know, I never was in a position in school to really indulge indulge that too much. And do you still find time to read? Because obviously that's a passion from childhood and now you're on the road. Is it still something you can do? It is. I mean, I tend to have a bit of an addictive obsessive compulsive when it comes to that because if I start reading something especially now I find myself reading a lot of fantasy and really classic um fantasy and and then thinking about how that could be made into you know a film but when I start it I find it very very difficult to stop so you know I could be not sleeping for two days and reading like a series of five books if I let myself so if I have to focus I I tend to not read until I go oh good I've got a weekend that I can kind of you know, I can kind of spend doing that. It's good to have that kind of downtime as well. But even though you get to link it to um, acting, you're always it's thinking. It's funny. You're... I mean, I guess that's the thing about following your passion, that everything that you do, your brain automatically goes, oh, could do this and could do this, you know. Um, and so everything, everything that you're interested in, you probably find that too. You know, everything you're interested in turns back into into that yeah I can't say I read novels and don't think about what they'd be like as a film and okay. sometimes sometimes I google and see whether or not the film rights have been bought and yeah whether or not there's a plan so um you've also done a lot of modeling now is there an origin story to how you became a model you know did somebody spot you in a crowded scene or anything like yeah, that there is. I mean modeling was always it's sort of it sort of landed in my lap and it was always, it was always, oh, cool, this is cool. But um, I always had, you know, I thought, yes, I'll do it because it was there. I was basically, I think I was, I was 15 in Adelaide and I was in a, um, a shop in just near where I lived and this photographer came up to me who <laughs> he looked and he still looks the same actually and he's like, he looked a bit like an Italian version of Jesus. He's got like long hair and a goatee and and he came up to me and he's like, oh, have you ever thought about modelling? And I was like, oh, not really. And he's like, oh, come with me. And for some reason, I thought I trusted him. And I thought, okay, I'll go with him. And he took me Looks into like this. Looks like Jesus, I suppose. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he took me into this hairdresser and they said, oh, she's fantastic. And so we, he, he said, look, this is my card. Give it to your mum. And my mum said, you know, she gave him a call and she said, yep, okay. And 
So we started shooting and he turned out to be, he's a fashion photographer, an Australian fashion photographer, but he's also registered as one of Australia's um, living artists. And so he very much shoots, he does a lot of artistic shots. He shoots kind of in the 60s style of those incredible, you know, David Bailey and some of those great 60s photographers. And so that got me started in modelling and then I went to Southeast Asia and um, got picked up by one of the top agencies there kind of without meaning to like I was on holiday with my mom but then I just started I got picked up by this agency and I started working almost every day and and at that point in Southeast Asia you know they were paying 3,000 plus a day so I sort of didn't come back I went for a holiday (laughs) and um and then I thought oh this is good you know I I can afford my own apartment so yeah so that's how that went (laughs) how old were you then um at that point I would have been 18 when I got there so was there an, a sad goodbye when your mum went back from her holiday and you stayed? She was doing, she was in the health um, healthcare industry and she was doing business there. So she was actually back and forth a lot. And and she's, I mean, she's pretty cool. She kind of, you know, left me to it and she'd come back and we'd, we'd sort of hang out and do stuff. So so now that I think about it, it was a pretty, pretty daring thing for an 18-year-old to be doing. But it seems really normal at the time, you know, <laughs> so... Well, I mean, you'd been independent at school because you kind of went to school alone, say, Darwin, Brisbane, when your parents weren't living uh, with you. So it probably felt like the natural next step. Yeah, it's kind of like, I guess, I guess a lot of those kids, you know, because I was at boarding school alone when I was sort of 10, 11. And so I think that grows you up pretty fast because it's a pretty, it's pretty scary experience, you know. And so how did you wind up in the UK? (laughs) How did I? Well, um, I'm partly um, Welsh. My grandmother is Welsh. And so we always had very, very strong ties. I have family there. But I, I think at one point when I was working in Southeast Asia, I, my boyfriend at the time was going there. I thought, I want to go to London. <laughs> so I sort of went over and, and I ended up doing modelling over there. For um, I got sort of picked out by Anthony Mascolo, who was one of the four brothers of Tony and Guy. So I ended up doing quite a bit of modelling for him and, and hair modelling. And yeah, and that was fantastic. You know, London is it's absolutely freezing but incredible and so I did go between there and Southeast Asia for a little while as well yeah from an outside point of view I know modeling seems like walking on a catwalk or like you know posing in certain ways did you find it difficult because I personally I feel like I'd be really self-conscious in front of a camera it's probably why I've always had uh the writing directing podcasting you know behind the scenes type roles uh, I think I'd probably get stage fright and stuff like that. But how did you find modeling? Yeah, I mean, I I guess as soon as I started doing it, not that I ever, you know, it was always, I always wanted to do a bit more and bring characters in. But as soon as I started actually modeling, it felt very, very natural. Um, I never, and I wasn't, because because I'd moved around so much, I was quite shy. Like I wasn't an extroverted kid at all, but... But as soon as as soon as I got in front of a camera, it's like I sort of just knew what to do. So that part of it was always very, very easy. The difficult part was really um, because I'm not five foot ten, you know, and I've always I've always had you know like a bust, and you know, so the difficult part for me was especially in Asia where they expect you to be even thinner than they do in the West was really. I mean, I remember my. Asian agent saying to me, oh, Virginia, you're bust. You've got a bust. Can't you get rid of it? And I'm like, no, I really can't. Like, I, and I actually got very, very skinny and at one point and, you know, I remember my mum bursting into tears in the airport in Adelaide when I got back one time because I was so skinny. And But I'd signed a contract saying 
you know, the mo- the model will not put on more than an inch around the waist or the contract is terminated. So there was certainly a lot of pressure to be thin. It sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, is that something that, you know, you, you hear about uh, books like Portia de Rossi's book, The Unbearable Lightness, you know, yeah. about controlling your, your weight and the pressure on you as like a model and an actress, you know, um, it's sort of a difficult thing, isn't it? It is. I mean, as an actor, certainly it's not as, it's certainly not as big a deal as, um, as modeling. I mean, I think in my body size for an actor is, is certainly within the range of, of what's acceptable. I mean, I'm not super skinny, although I have to say, you know, some of the bigger films I've been on, I've seen the costumes of some other actresses. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm huge, Um, (laughs) which, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not. But certainly, and, you know, that's just the thing. I mean, people look better in photographs and on film if if their clothes hang, if they've got, you know, clothes hanger frames. I, I think the good thing about acting is it's more about what you're bringing through. So as long as you're taking care of yourself and as long as you're looking the best that you know you can look while still being healthy there's certainly not the pressure there that is in the modeling industry which is you know people will resort to to fairly extreme measures and there's no no one really cares what measures you resort to you know they just go just do it so well that's interesting did did you find uh, the other models around you you know um that you met were they more extreme like um about weight and things like that they were and they weren't i mean look honestly a, a lot of models naturally have a certain body type. So they naturally are tall and skinny and they naturally have a fast metabolism. So some of them don't even have to really worry about it and they can sort of live quite normally, but others do. So I think it really depends on your body type and whether you're lucky enough to just be naturally skinny or or if you do, then, you know, certainly you can suffer, you know, in terms of, especially when you're very young and People go, I'll oh, do this. And so girls might go, oh, I'll go and take some diet pills. And then that will stuff up their body for the next five years, you know. can be a dangerous industry, no doubt. Absolutely. Um, so modelling and acting, which was your preference? I guess it was, all, it was always about acting. Modelling was sort of something that just happened and fell into my lap a few times. And, and, I, and I sort of went for it. But I always had in the back. In fact, I was reading an, an interview that someone did with me in a, for a men's magazine in Asia the other day and, and even then as a, a teenager I was reading what I'd said and I said you know it, it was always about acting so thinking my god yeah it was really fun I mean I still sort of do things here and there now and there's an organic skincare company that I do things for and I, I certainly enjoy it modeling <laughs> I wrote on my blog actually modeling's like a holiday because you don't have you don't have a character to develop you don't have any lines to learn and you don't really so you kind of just get to go and have a chilled out day off with like the crew and wear some nice clothes and get pictures taken. So that's kind of how I view it. Actually, I view acting, acting is my job. That's my work, you know, is, is becoming, becoming someone else's my work. Whereas if I'm lucky enough to still get to be the face of the brand as I am for one of them or to get whatever it's, it's like, yeah, I get a little holiday um, and I get paid. You know? <laughs> so you did make your way back to Australia, though. You made it to Melbourne and so forth. Um, I did. I did. Well, at, at one point I, I, I came back and I thought, you know, this it, it, I have to start acting now and I have to start getting getting some proper training. So that's what I did in Melbourne. I wanted to talk about uh, you were in the TV movie The King about Graham Kennedy where Stephen Curry plays Graham Kennedy. 
uh, in 2007. Yes. yes. Oh my God. He was incredible. I love Stephen Curry and he was just, he's just the most amazing actor as well. Yeah. I was going to ask what your strongest sort of memories of the production were. I had the best time. I mean, I'm still in touch with the director, Matt Savile, who's incredible as well. And I think from beginning to end, I was so proud of the production. I just thought, you know, the actors were fantastic. Although I do remember Stephen Curry because, you know, he's a comedian. Um, and we were sort of slow dancing in, in a scene and, and he would just sort of whisper ridiculously sort of dirty jokes into my ear. And then they'd be, they'd be like, oh, action. <laughs> he like, bastard, because, you know, we had to film. Um, but, no, I loved him. And, look, it has to be said, that, I mean, there are so many, it's just the way of the industry that there are so many productions and not all of them are going to be great. But I have to say when I saw that film, I thought, I thought it was fantastic and I thought, everyone in it was good and he blew me out of the water so so no that's a great memory yeah I mean it's probably hard to forget slow dancing with somebody while they whisper dirty jokes in your ear (laughs) no and I don't mean it he wasn't unprofessional at all but certainly it I think it actually added to the scene because it made my character a bit a bit sort of edgier and bubblier and whatever so um yeah so that was definitely a highlight and you also did that classic Melbourne thing of working with uh, the Working Dog team who were behind Thank God You're Here and Any Questions for Ben. So how did you get involved with them? How did I get involved with them? I think just through auditioning. The first time, that's right, the first one was auditioning with Thank God You're Here. And then they asked me to be in Any Questions for Ben, which was fun, except for that actually at that point, so the, it was nighttime shoots. So, you know, I think I, think I you know, we were shooting at 3 a.m. And, <laughs> um, and I hadn't actually done overnight shoots before, so that was really interesting. Interesting as in, as in it, it, you have to amp yourself up at like another 50% on top of what you normally do, I think, just, just because your body is wondering what nurse going on. So. Why you're not sleeping, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of shift work, so I know about amping your body up. It's a sugar high you've got to hit. <laughs> oh, I know. I know, but they were, they were great. They were great. And it's funny because I, when I grew up, I was, you know, grew up watching their stuff, um, well, when I was allowed to, when I was old enough to, but, you know, the degeneration and some of their other stuff. And so I knew them all very, very well off of those shows. And so to actually meet them is always very interesting, you know, when you meet, you meet your idols type thing. Because what I, it, was a, it was actually a really good education for me because what I realised is that comedy is actually very serious. Because, you know, I think with comedians, you expect to go on to set and you expect them all to be kind of joking around and it's all really fun because it looks so fun. But actually the business of movie making is not easy, you know. Um, and, so, and so being directed by Rob and meeting the guys and stuff, you know, it, it's, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is hard. This is a job. Like, this is what it takes. And that was a good education for me to really, to really take everything a bit more seriously. You know? I mean, they're an iconic group and they've made nothing but good television and film. Absolutely. And they're very, very hardworking. And that's probably the first thing I noticed. Um, I thought, oh my gosh, these guys are really, you know, they, they really put 150% in. So. I really like Any Questions for Ben. I was their opening day and I've bought the DVD since and like, uh, I think Josh Lawson's fantastic. And He is and he was lovely. He's just such a lovely guy. I mean, I love Lockie was also incredible. Um, Josh is incredible. In fact, everyone I worked with um, on that, that was another really good, really good experience. I think they, they chose their cast very well. Yeah, and I like Ed Cavalier as well as the um, the Archer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you've had 
also small roles on Home and Away and Neighbours. So uh, give us some insights like the differences on set, you know, which one you think you would want to work on long term even? They were both, look, they're both very different, very different kind of feel. Uh, it's almost like the difference between, you know, acting in Melbourne and acting in Sydney. Um, so obviously Neighbours is in Melbourne. Probably just because my role in Home and Away was, I was a guest star for an episode, but it was throughout, it was for throughout the whole episode and I was a rape victim. So it was very, and I was crying, you know, I was, she was asking me about what happened and, um, and we were going through a lot of very, very heavy emotional stuff. So I enjoyed that more just as an actor, you know, when I get to really plumb those depths is, is the best thing for me. And the director um, at that point was also fantastic. So I think my preference would be Home and Away, but I'm probably biased just because my role in that was, was a, a really good one. I mean, the Home and Away seems to have that kind of gravity, like uh, people know Chris Hemsworth from Home and Away and things like that as well. Does it matter when you have small roles like that? Like, do you find now that you're in the States, people look at your resume or they go, oh, you were on Home and Away, you know, does, does it mean anything? A couple of times I, I might have thought, oh, you know, it means something. I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure. Not None of the, um, you know, no agents or casting directors here have ever actually said to me, oh, you're on Home and Away, you know? <laughs> But certainly I think they recognise it. I think in a way because there have been so many great Australian people that have come off of those shows and been very successful over here, I think in a way that they don't know their soaps. They're like, oh, yeah, that's Neighbours, that's Home and Away. And they don't realise that they're actually soaps, but like, you know, Days of Our Lives or, or um, you know, The Bold and the Beautiful, whatever over here, which is basically what they are. So that's, that's quite funny just because there have been so many great people that have come off them. As well, they probably think that's what we're into in Australia, so it's kind of complimentary to talk about them because they're the biggest shows that everyone internationally knows. And Margot Robbie, of course, is Neighbours. From Neighbours, yeah. Um, and I think they actually don't realise that many more people watch them in the UK, don't they, than, than do in Australia. Certainly Neighbours. I don't know about Home and Away. So um, when you wanted to go to LA, what did your mum say to you? You know, you've said, I want to go and be an actress and LA's the place to do it. Well, gosh, I can't remember. I, I don't think... At the time, I always knew. I mean, I, there, was, there was a point when I remember just thinking to myself, oh, yep, America and, and going there. And it, I sort of introduced it quite gradually into the, into the family psyche. So, so that certainly helped, you know. And then I, I did a movie uh, called Burlesque and met, met a couple of people on there who were coming over. And so with that kind of additional support, it, it definitely helped. And I mean, I think my family, I'm such a black sheep anyway. You know, I really should be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, so they probably weren't surprised. It's, I mean, because I've been jetting off to, to Asia when I was like, you know, 18 and stuff. I don't think they were hugely surprised um, that I was jetting off again. So Just the next adventure for Virginia. Yeah. And <laughs> let's, let's just pretend that she's not doing that anymore. So how are you finding Los Angeles? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it feels very much like home now. You know, it's funny. I mean, I think even as, as soon as I got off the plane, I remember just thinking, oh, this feels good. You know, it felt good to be here. And, and it's certainly, it's easy to live. It's easy to get around and do stuff. The tough thing is obviously the industry here and how much work you have to put into it and how, you, how much persistence you have to have. But in terms of actual, actually living in LA, I love it. You know, I really really it's it's a fantastic place to live and is that cliche of you know all the aussies sticking up for each other you know that sort of thing true there is i mean there's aussie wood 
you know, but I don't really have anything to do. I mean, I was sort of the same, even in London, there's like Earl's Court and there's the Aussies, but I've always been, when I go somewhere, even when I was in Asia, I prefer to make friends with the locals and to really sort of become part of the place that I'm in. So I, I don't have much to do with that little community. There certainly is a community and there, look, there are a lot of us here. I Uber around the place because it's actually easier and cheaper than having a car here. And their Uber people are always saying, oh, I just picked up an Aussie two hours ago or whatever. And I'm like, I know, there are a lot of us here. <laughs> Everyone's having the same idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, tell us about sort of typical auditions. You know, have you found yourself typecast when you're there or, or do you go up for the same sort of stuff? Yes and no. I mean, similar, sometimes similar, sometimes, you know, I mean, I think I'm at an interesting age because, because I'm not a teenager, but I don't really look like a mum. So I'm, I'm sort of like at an age where, you know, I get typecast as a seductress or um, like a kind of a young, very perky professional type person. Um, in Australia, I was doing quite a bit of the victim, like the horror film, so the rape victim and murder victim and all that kind of thing. But I have to say that, no, there is a decent, there is a decent variety. And so like a waiting room, an audition waiting room, do you look around and see sort of a mirror image of yourself? Is it sort of everybody dresses the same? Is there a... No, no, that's actually really interesting because I usually, maybe I'm just completely freaky and out there. Although I, you know, I dress normally, I don't dress like a freak. But, but um, you know, a lot of times I'll go in, in fact, every time. I don't think I've ever gone into an audition room and gone oh my God, all these people look like me. I mean, there's a lot of variety, even for roles where you think that there, there wouldn't be. So yeah, no, it's interesting. Have you, have you ever auditioned for anything we might've seen over the years? Like, um, do you remember reading for anything and then later you're hearing yeah. who got it? And Yeah. I mean, got us like hundreds, obviously, like so many. And, and I actually get to the point now where if I have an audition, I will completely forget about it. And I won't, I won't see who got it because it's pointless. Like you have to look to the future which is hard because when you put your heart and soul into a character, you become connected to that character, so it can be quite hard to let it go. I did get some attention for my um, Boardwalk Empire audition when I was in New York, which was fantastic because I love that show. So that was really good. Um, there's so much. There's so much. There was a Wonder Woman um, for one of the Wonder Woman um, series, a character that I got really attached to. Um, in fact, I dyed my hair dark brown for it because I'm a blonde. <laughs> um, because I, even though it was just an audition, I'm like, stop it, I love this character. <laughs> but yeah, oh gosh, there have been so many. There have been so many. I, I don't, wouldn't even know where to start with that. <laughs> I suppose which one, um, not hurt the most, but which one was the hardest to not get? Which is the most memorable character you've seen? I think, I mean, certainly I really liked the character in Boardwalk Empire. You know, having said that, I would probably be, there'd probably be 15 or 20 that, that I've had a, an issue with because when you get that magic combination of a good writing and a good character, which, you know, especially being sort of a young woman in Hollywood, it's not, I mean, there are good characters there, but there are certainly a lot of typecast kind of um, one-dimensional characters. So when you get that combination of both, I think it's, it's always hard to let go of. And Hollywood, I guess, is still writing for men more than anybody. Yeah, less, I mean, less it, female it, roles. It mainly is. I mean, there there are some fantastic women coming through now who are you know producing their own stuff and um, and some men that are actually writing much more from a woman's perspective. But certainly, you do get a lot of auditions for like you're the attractive girlfriend or you're the 
the seductive woman or, you know, whatever, there, there are certainly still a lot of those ones. Was it hard to get representation or was that easy because of your modelling background? For me personally, I, I would never even mention here when I'm talking to a theatrical agent, I would never ever mention modelling because I think there's very much, and, you know, I never thought of myself as a model. You know, I was always an actor who people offered to pay money to do some modeling. I'm like, okay. But I certainly have never highlighted that. And I, and I wouldn't say that to, to a casting person or an agent here because there's, there's a stigma. I mean, because there are a lot of models who kind of go, oh, yeah, I'll just do some acting and, and, and assume that it might be really sort of a simple thing to do when in actual fact to become very good at that craft is not not easy so I think there's certainly a stigma of the crossover people yeah hey, do you do you spot random celebrities being in LA you know have you spotted anyone famous you know the funny thing is that I don't and I and I live like I live in the Hollywood Hills I live kind of just on Hollywood Boulevard in the hills and and you'd think that you would but you, I just I never see I mean I don't go out I don't go out at night and I don't go clubbing I sort of stay quite focused you would think that you would see more more people around and and I just, I just don't. I mean, one of the few ones I saw was in Malibu once. I was eating, coming out of a restaurant there, and um, and I saw Piers Brosnan, and just kind of we said hello to each other. And that was funny because it was I've just done a film that he was in as well, which is quite funny. But that was obviously like a while before that. But uh, no, um, oh, and Martin Sheen I also saw in Malibu. Maybe Malibu's the place. Maybe that's maybe that's where they are. Yeah, everybody's go to Malibu. <laughs> I randomly saw um, Catherine Keener uh, when I was in America, uh, just in the lobby of a hotel, very randomly. Oh, okay. But that's my claim to fame. And I, at the time I said, because I'd recently seen Where the Wild Things Are, uh, I told her I thought that was a great film. And she said, oh, we actually shot that in Australia. And I was like, oh, fantastic. And I just said, hi, I got a quick picture and um, let her go. And, and after the fact, my friend said to me, oh, you probably should have mentioned 40-year-old virgin. And I was like, ah, she's hilarious in that. That would have been a much better thing to mention. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's interesting, though, because there are a lot of things shot in Australia now, aren't there, that that you wouldn't expect to be, yeah. Yeah, so there's plenty of work here if you decide to come on back. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, I I love coming back to Australia and just kind of, you know, hanging out, and there are so many beautiful places there. So I think that's ultimately, that would be amazing, like, just doing a little bit there and then coming back here and, you know, that would be great. Well, you've got to go where the work is, I suppose. Absolutely, yeah. And so you've just got your green card, did you say? No, no, I'm a US citizen now. Oh, you're a US citizen. Okay, cool. I am, yes. So, so there's no end date on how long you might be in LA? <laughs> no, this is, America's my home now. I don't know whether it will always be LA, but certainly, you know, certainly I, I well, I'm American now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel very comfortable here and not to say that, you know, I don't still love Australia, but this is certainly, and in terms of just the sheer size, the comparative size of the industries, you know, there's really not much comparison. And so I guess being out there on your own, what have you learned about yourself in this journey of uh, acting? Oh, what have I learned about myself? I think the good thing about acting is you get to uncover lay- layers of yourself and you actually... I find it's it's actually therapy in that whatever trauma that you might have had when you're a kid or a teenager and growing up and what acting actually gets to be a tool through which you can plumb those depths and really let go of, of stuff that you've been carrying around through the prism of whatever character you're playing. So 
so that's the thing that I like most is is really going really deep into that and and um, and seeing where you can find aspects of yourself. See, I worry because I have two young daughters, and of course, at some stage, maybe one of them will want to do some acting and cautious. You know, I don't want them to be taken advantage of. Do you think it's something that you know? should be encouraged ultimately I suppose is it well, worth it I think number one for kids I think theatre sports are absolutely incredible I think every kid should do theatre sports uh, have you seen whose line is, is it anyway yes yes so basically that but there's a whole program for kids and there's I think acting helps everyone and, and certainly there should be you know things like that at schools and stuff because it really helps especially with shy kids it really helps them come out of themselves and and get more confidence and be more at ease with public speaking and all that kind of thing. I think in terms of following it as a career, I would say it's, look, it's not, it's not going to get, it's not going to get easier in the future. And I would say, and this is how I've always felt. If, if there was anything else I could possibly be happy doing um, and not, re- not regretting, then I would probably, I would probably have done that. But I, I do acting because, because it's, it's what I'm here to do. But I think if someone's like, well, maybe I should be an actor or maybe I should be a lawyer. And they, if, if they can be happy being a lawyer, then I would say be a lawyer because it's, it's just going to be easier. You know? Less um, struggle and pressure, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you, you, don't do, you don't get into this industry to get famous and you don't get into it to, for the adulation or for the glamour. It's hard work. It's very, very hard work. And, and you get into it because, because you're in love with the craft of acting, basically. So are you living your dream currently? <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm living my dream in terms of I'm pursuing my dream and I'm chasing, chasing my goals. And so I guess in a way that is living the dream because there's no end point is there in terms of when you achieve something, then you want something else and something else. So certainly I still have goals and aspirations for the stage I want to be at in my craft and in the industry, but it's, it's very satisfying just to know that you're, you're in there and you're doing it. Say, across all the television shows that are currently on, what would you love to do a guest spot on? I don't know. There's, there are so many. It's funny how, it's funny how um, you know, in fact, I was, I was reading a thing that John Cusack said that, you know, the movies he used to do are really, there aren't any, there are only blockbusters now and, and the ones that he used to do that are movies have turned into TV shows. So I think for me, I, I have a, probably with my up bringing with all the British stuff, I have a fetish for um, British society stuff. So I'd probably say something like Downton Abbey. I would fairly obsessed with, I mean, also Boardwalk Empire, I absolutely loved. Um, I did actually hear that Julian Fellows, who made Downton Abbey, was um, in talks to make something in New York. I think it was called The Gilded Age, but it was about, it was about people in the late 1800s in New York. And so you know, something like that, I think, oh, my gosh, I couldn't think of anything, any better way to spend my time than doing that. You'd love a costume drama. I do love a costume drama. And the good thing is that I, apparently I have those kind of features and I do get cast in period stuff quite a bit. So so that's I've got that in my favour, I think. <laughs> so any final advice for, um, you know, people wanting to make it? If somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, I might go over to LA next pilot season, you know, what would you say to them? What would I say? I would say... Just start acting. Get your footage together. I mean, really, and and get your footage together and get a front on the board in Australia because there are so many. If you come here and, and you haven't really done anything and and your demo reel isn't isn't sort of blow them away, fantastic. It's quite 
simply could be a bit of a waste of time. So I'd say do as much acting as you humanly can, do workshops, classes, short films, build up your footage and build up your experience. You can never have too much experience, can you? Oh, absolutely. Like, just work the muscle as much as you can. That was my interview with Virginia Bowers, who's currently living in L.A. and pursuing her dream of acting. As she mentioned, um, she ran into Pierce Brosnan and um, since then has now worked on a, on a film with Pierce Brosnan. Uh, she's opposite him in The King's Daughter, which comes out in 2017. Uh, the plot on IMDb is King Louis. Uh, his quest for immortality leads him to capture and steal a mermaid's life force, a move that is further complicated by his illegitimate daughter's discovery of the creature. And we can look forward to seeing um, Virginia opposite Pierce Brosnan in that film. If you want to hear more from her, she has a blog. It's at virginiabowers.com. And if you want to listen to our La La Land episode, it was a previous episode of Podme If You Can, or any of our other interviews, we're endeavouring to do one every month here on Podme If You Can, you can find them all at podmeifyoucan.com, where we have a back catalogue and links to us on Twitter and Facebook. We look forward to the next episode with you. My thanks to Virginia Bowers, who was very generous with her time. And we'll talk to you next time on Podme If You Can. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews. 